0: Oasis Church, so good to be here with you all. Thank you, amazing team. You guys are incredible. Thank you, Brandon. It's uh, truly a pleasure to be here uh, in Oasis. This is—it's uh, an honor. It seriously, is. Thank you, Pastor Julian, Pastor Christina, uh, for having me. My wife Nicole says hello. And uh, yeah, it's amazing to live here in the city of LA. We've been here for. 12 years now in Los Angeles and do absolutely feel called uh, to this city, it's home for us. Love leading our church, Uh, but I'll just let you in on a little secret uh, that I have said numerous times, you can quote me on this, I've said numerous times that if I wasn't leading my own church in LA, Oasis Church is the church that I would belong to. I love it here, I really, really do. And uh, there's just such a sense of family when I walk into uh, this place for uh, any one of your gatherings. So I'm just grateful and honored to be here, and I hope that uh, the word today uh, is a blessing to you. Uh, I hope that it encourage you, encourages you, and I hope that it builds your faith. If you have a Bible, uh, why don't you come with me to the book of John, and uh, chapter 12, and then we'll hop over to the book of Matthew for a moment as well. I have one disclaimer, but it's an important disclaimer, so if you get mad at me later because I'm talking really fast, don't get mad at me. You have to remember my disclaimer. This is the disclaimer. I talk really fast, and so you can try to take notes. Sometimes it's just better to like just kind of sit and just like catch this by osmosis, and then maybe you can go watch it back later and take a note or two, um, and then also under that disclaimer, I also have a tendency to get loud. You ready? John chapter 12. And verse 20 says this, Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. really quickly just over to the book of Matthew chapter 20 picking it up in verse 25 it says this but Jesus called them his disciples to himself and said you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them yet it shall not be so among you but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, if you do want to jot down a note or two while we're going throughout this message, why don't you write down the title? Don't play with purpose. Did you get it? Come on, it. Don't play. With purpose. Father God, we thank you for this time together and we pray that you bless, uh, Lord, this word and let it fall on fertile soil and let it be so impactful for Oasis Church. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to begin today by taking some time to consider how it is that the world thinks about and talks about purpose. That needs to be our starting point because how we think about purpose will determine the way that we approach it and the way that we pursue it. So that if our thinking is wrong, then so also will our approach be wrong. It is my estimation that much of the Western world's population and indeed much of our own city's population views purpose as the achievement of greatness which is an accolade ascribed to somebody who reached a certain height in their field. Purpose is crossing over the threshold into renown and notoriety. It's to be considered someone who has excelled beyond the realm of the rest of us. This is the demonstration of purpose that we see highlighted by the spotlights and by the limelights of our world. And as enticing as it can be, I believe that there is a very subtle flaw in it. And the flaw is that we don't realize we are measuring purpose, not actually in someone having excelled, but by other people's consideration of them having excelled. We have created a culture in which we peddle the message that doing something notable is only important if people take note. But as soon as people aren't taking note anymore, then it's no longer important. So if it didn't happen on Instagram then it didn't happen at all. Because our understanding of purpose is not actually in what gets accomplished, it's in people's praise of the person or the people who accomplished it. So that we have a demonstration of purpose which is only validated by the lights that shine upon it. And as soon as the lights go out, even if the great thing still gets done, people feel like they aren't fulfilling their purpose because nobody is remarking on the remarkable thing that they're doing we become so addicted to the likes and the comments and the followers and the reposts that if those aren't coming in in a steady stream, then something must be wrong. We must not be fulfilling our purpose. And that's just before social media gets a hold of you with cancel culture. If you get canceled, you forget about your purpose altogether. But I believe that there is an answer to this epidemic. And the answer is not to get a better understanding of purpose as it relates to the world's definition. I think the answer is to change the way we think about purpose altogether. And that change is the way in which we understand how servanthood is connected to our purpose. Because the world's understanding of servanthood, at worst, is that it is a shameful thing. And at best, that it is an appendage or an accessory to your life once you become successful enough to even consider having capacity or time for serving others. It's something you have room for once you've garnered enough notoriety for yourself, which then is a mixed bag, right? Because now your motivation for servanthood becomes keeping what you already have. Servanthood becomes something you do for the people who are shining the lights on you like a politician trying to get reelected. And in this way, we minimize servanthood down to the currency that keeps the lights on or the ratings high. But servanthood is not the same as paying your power bill, friends and family. It is not about making sure that the lights don't go out on you. Servanthood is not an accessory to your purpose. Servanthood is not peripheral to your purpose. Servanthood actually is your purpose. This is the Jesus way of understanding servanthood. That's why he said to his disciples that whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So far from... Greatness being the prerequisite to a life of servanthood, we see that servanthood is actually the prerequisite to greatness. And not in the sense that servanthood is something that you pass through in order to get to greatness like you walk through a door into a room, but in the sense that servanthood is both the doorway and the room. And as soon as I forget about servanthood, I have now forfeited greatness. You see, in God's opinion, servanthood and purpose are one in the same. And, And his opinion, which should be the one that we value above all others, you cannot have the latter apart from the former. Now, There's a tension here in this flaw that I'm pointing out as the problem and in the truth that I'm presenting to us as the answer. And the tension is that you and me and everybody we know, we all want to be seen. That's the tension. And some of us might say that notoriety is not what we are after. But at a minimum, you at least want to be noticed. That's a real desire and hunger in every single one of us. So though we all may agree on the flaw that I'm pointing out and even uh, that it can be damaging to people's mental health and obstructive to their God-ordained futures, not many people in society are putting their hands up to fix the problem because the flaw in our approach to purpose actually satisfies a desire in us. In other words, we like the likes. So if changing the way we approach purpose means foregoing them, then we are not in a hurry to do so. And that's why the truth that sets us free from this broken way of thinking introduces such a tension for you and I because if we are going to live in the truth that Jesus calls us to it inherently means giving up our pursuit of purpose as a means to be seen it means being good with the fact that unseen purpose is not purpose in process it is purpose all by itself because purpose is not in being seen purpose is in being a servant and being a servant inherently means that we are good with being invisible Jesus said to his disciples in John 12, where I am, there my servant will be also. So then the question we have to ask ourselves is, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus implying that he is? And the only answer that we can soundly come up with in the context of this passage is that Jesus is in the place of a servant. In fact when you just flip over to the start of the very next chapter you see John is describing Jesus having dinner with his disciples we call it the last supper and during the last supper Jesus uh, he 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 stoops down to the place of a lowest servant in a first century household and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples dirty roads uh, equal dusty feet and so it was customary for a servant to wash people's feet in the home and Jesus stoops down and he washes the feet of all 12 disciples including Judas, whom he knew was going to betray him that night. And then he says to them in John 13, 15, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. In other words, that you should be where I am. So all of a sudden, a whole new meaning comes to what he told them moments before, that where I am, there will my servant be also, because where's Jesus? Well, he's not just in the place of a servant. He's in the place of a feet-washing servant. Like, he's as low as you can go. He's as unseen as you can get. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, come and hang out with me down here in this place. And then part of us as Jesus followers goes, yes, Jesus, I want to. You've done that. for me I want to be there with you and do that for others but then another part of us says but Jesus I also want to be seen and I also need to be noticed so can I come hang out with you in that place for intervals of a couple hours at a time every other week or so and call it church and then be good because if I stay there in that place with you I won't also be able to pursue my purpose. yeah because we still think they are separate entities like peanut butter and jelly or something and they are cool when they get together but they're just as good as when they are apart and meanwhile Jesus is like I need you to drop the middle school mentality of how you think about your life because it is not one or the other for whenever you feel like putting them together they are one in the same and they cannot be pulled apart I told you I was gonna talk fast I gave you the disclaimer And so in order for us to live in the truth, we have to be willing to fight to get to the bottom. Amidst a world that is crawling all over each other to climb to the top. And I know that there is a tension in that. But this is where the goodness of God finds you in that. Because the very next thing that Jesus says is that if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So if you put yourself in the unseen place, in the place where from culture's point of view is most unworthy of honor, then the father who looks from the kingdom's point of view will honor you. And in order for him to honor you, that means that he had to be watching. So that when nobody else's eyes were looking, the father's eyes were fixed on you. You see, I remembered how Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount about how we are to properly perform our acts of righteousness and that we are to do them without being seen by other people. We we shouldn't need to be seen by other people as we perform a righteous as we live a righteous life. And one of the examples that Jesus gives is is giving to the needy. And he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3, but when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Catch this. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And that's God's promise to you. If you will meet his son in the place of the servant. If you will meet his son in the secret place, he will see and in seeing He will honor you. He will notice, and in noticing, he will reward you. And here's the thing about the honor and the reward of the Father. Just ask Joseph with his technicolor coat. Just ask the prodigal with his robe, his ring, and his shoes is that when you will humble yourself, the Father will always place something on you so that others can't ignore you. So that in giving up your need to be seen, God will make sure that you cannot be missed. That is the Father's honor. And the reason he does it is because he wants an example on display in the earth of how true honor is found. If he left you invisible forever, then people around you wouldn't know the truth about purpose. So God will show you off, emphasis on God will, so you don't need to and and I don't need to. God will show you off so that he can show others that the only way up is down. It's a matter of revealing truth to a world that is confused about discovering their purpose because servanthood is not a way into purpose. Servanthood isn't even the best way into purpose. Servanthood is the only way into purpose. The analogy that Jesus uses is of a seed, a grain of wheat. He said in John 12 and verse 24, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, here's the thing about seeds. What we have to understand is that seeds only have one purpose, and they only have one way into that purpose, and it's to be buried. Now, we call it being planted. (laughs) But when you are the seed, it does not feel like being planted. It feels like being buried. It feels like being covered up with dirt when you'd really rather be lit up with lights. But the only way for a seed to fulfill its purpose is to go into the ground. It has to be buried. Our trouble is that we are seeds who want to be seen. And although we might, as seeds, get really good at being seen, as long as you are a seed who is seen, you are missing out on your purpose completely. Because seeds weren't created to be seen. They were created to be buried in order that they would reproduce and give life. So no matter how many people are marveling at you for how talented of a seed you are, or how beautiful of a seed you are, as long as you are trying to go up instead of down, you will be going in the opposite direction of your purpose. Consider also that the only way a seed can be marvelled at by many is being held up in somebody else's hand. Oh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Seeds can't climb high on their own. They need to be upheld by a support structure that is only as strong as it is loyal. So as soon as the hands that are holding you up move on to something or somebody else, you will come crashing down to the ground. And the funny part is that the grace of God will have actually used your disappointment to bring you to the place where you can finally sink into your purpose like you were meant to do all along. You thought something good had ended, and God is saying, now I can get something truly great to finally begin. But often we miss it because we have fallen for a mirage. We think that a hand holding up a seed is the equivalent of a real tree. I find in Los Angeles there's a whole lot of seeds getting a whole lot of accolades saying, look at me, I'm a tree. (laughs) And they say that because they know what they are supposed to be. But they have fallen for a shortcut, which has led to being a pawn instead of part of the royal priesthood like they were meant to be. They've been sold a boot. I didn't mean to mess with you all this much. I'm so sorry. You're never going to have me back we get sold a bootleg in place of the real thing, but when the bootleg breaks down, when the glory of mankind moves beyond you, then you have the opportunity to discover the glory of God, which wants to break forth from you. If we try to pursue purpose outside of servanthood, we will be those seeds trying to reach high places with somebody else's hand holding us up and we'll never know the real thing because we fell for a mirage which always fades. And we won't reach God's intended destination for us because we fell for a shortcut, which is always false advertising. And the reason we do that I've found for my own life, this is why I do it, is that I don't believe God when he says that if I seek him, he'll reward me. I fail to take Jesus at his word and he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all those other things will be added. To you, so I divorce purpose from servanthood, and I think, well, I can just make myself successful on my own. And yes, I might make myself successful by some worldly standard, but do not mistake success with purpose. They are not the same thing. See, if I seek God, if I seek after Jesus, then I will inherently live my life as a servant. But if I divorce the two, then I will seek first the kingdom of self instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. But if I trust Jesus, then I'll live a servant's life. And every God-glorifying thing that I have in my My heart, it will come by his hand, not my hand and not somebody else's hand. And that's what makes the miracles. And I don't know about you, Oasis Church, but I want my life to be miraculous, not man-made. The temptation for shortcuts will come. They came for Jesus. In the wilderness at the very start of his ministry, Satan came to Jesus and tempted tempted him in various ways. One of those ways was to bypass servanthood altogether and just take a shortcut into his destiny to reign. It's a shortcut that would have undermined his purpose completely and you and I would not be born again today had Jesus taken that shortcut. But Jesus rejected the shortcut because he knew the only way into purpose is servanthood. The only way into purpose is servanthood. And that's exactly what Jesus demonstrates in our passage today in John chapter 12. Do you you recall what caused Jesus to start talking about grain of wheat and seeds dying in the ground, servanthood? Why he started talking about all of that in the first place? It was because there were some Greeks who came seeking Jesus. That's what kicked off that whole conversation and these Greeks, they were uh, they were converts to Judaism. That's why they were in Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And just like everybody else in Jerusalem that week, there was one name on their minds. And that was the name of Jesus. Because for the last three years, Jesus had been serving up until this point. He'd been healing and teaching and and helping and loving his fellow Jews. But now something significant has, has come upon him because some Greeks have showed up to meet Jesus. And you have to understand that these Greeks, they represent something much greater than just a few more people who want to have an encounter with Jesus. These Greeks, they represent the furthest extent of his purpose, the fullest representation of why Jesus came to the earth for Jesus came to inaugurate and to announce the kingdom of God the gospel the good news which Romans chapter 1 and 16 says is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek so Jesus came not just to reconcile Israelites back to God he came to reconcile the whole world back to God the Jew first and the non-Jew the Greek the Gentile so God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself self. So when these Greeks come to Jesus, they represent the fullness of his purpose, the furthest extent of what he came to do, standing there in front of his face. Which is why the very first words out of his mouth, when Philip and Andrew say, hey, there's some Greeks here who want to meet you, the very first thing Jesus says in John 12, 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Because he knows this is a big deal. The God dream is standing right there in front of him but Jesus also knew that to sit down and have a conversation with these people would only be playing around with his purpose because the fruition of his purpose was not going to come by simply reaching out and taking the easy opportunity to serve and not to be served is why the son of man came he served his way up until this point and he wasn't about to get off track now with a shortcut so what does Jesus do Jesus doesn't take the meeting. In fact, I don't know if you noticed it when we read it. Jesus didn't even acknowledge the Greeks who were waiting to meet him. He doesn't even acknowledge that they're there. He doesn't take the meeting with these people. And it's not because he doesn't love them. He's about to go to the cross for them. So he loves them. It's just that he wasn't going to play with his purpose. He was not going to build a stage to stand on out of the wood that he was meant to die on. Because Jesus knew that the only true way into purpose even the greatest realms of our purpose is through the doorway of servanthood even if serving meant suffering on a cross so he said to his disciples Philip and Andrew who told him about the Greeks truly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it what it remains alone it can't become all that it was meant to be it cannot accomplish all that it was meant to do so I could go out there and I could meet them and I could greet them and I could shake their hands and I could talk with them and sit down with them but at the end of the day I would not have anything more than their attention and their admiration but if I want more than that if I want what I came for what I was purposed to do since before the beginning of creation now I can't take this opportunity for them to shine a fleeting light on me that's not my purpose purpose doesn't come from the lights that shine on you purpose is found in the light that shines from you so if in this moment I don't try to take less than what I was purposed for then they will get more than what they were hoping for because they came for a quick blessing from the rabbi but I'm going to give them the breakthrough that comes from the son of God being sown as a broken open seed into the earth and in my resurrection will be their eternal life and eternal life for all mankind you see what Jesus is doing here is he's modeling for his disciples both then and now, that the way into every inch of your purpose is servanthood. Wherever you can set your foot in the promised land of your purpose, the only way in is through servanthood. doesn't matter how tall the tree grows. It's never not connected to its roots beneath the earth the unseen places and spaces, the engine room where we serve God and people apart from the attention of the crowds. And I felt like God gave me a word just for Oasis Church as it pertains to this. I've said everything I've said so far at 100 miles per hour just so I could say this to you right now. And I even felt like it was a word for your pastors, for Julian and Christina. Because Oftentimes, circumstances bring us back down to earth. And when circumstances bring us down to earth, we can tend to think my hour has been canceled. Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then after that, he went to the cross. He went into a tomb. He went into the earth. That does not sound like glory to me. That sounds like his hour had been canceled. But indeed, we know Jesus was correct in saying that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, for we know what happened after the tomb. And as I was praying this week about what to say to Oasis Church, I felt led to tell you, your hour has not been canceled. Your hour has not been, I need you to say it with me, that your hour, my hour has not been canceled. Turning the page into 2020 felt like the roof was going to lift off this place and that something truly brand new was breaking out. I know I was here for one of your legacy nights at the start of the year. I could feel what God was doing in this church, then pandemic and racial injustice and economic downturn, all these things that bring us down to earth. And they say to us, your hour has been canceled. But I believe I have come with the word of the Lord today with a better word for you that your hour has not been canceled, Oasis Church. Your hour has indeed come. That God has you where he wants you. If it feels like you're being buried, it's actually that in some respect you have been and are being replanted as a church, replanted as a people. Oh, but we've been around for so long. We've already seen so much and done so much and accomplished so much. Uh Uh-huh. So had Jesus in John chapter 12 where after three years he'd been doing world changing history making ministry and yet in this moment into the earth he goes to bring forth the life reproduce the ultimate life that he came to give new height of his purpose new depth of his servanthood so if it feels like you're having to go deeper right now even as a result of having more dirt piled on you I believe that the prophetic word of the Lord to this church is that it's only because God is getting ready to take you higher as a people so father in the name of Jesus lift your hands I thank you for Oasis I thank you for pastors Julian and Christina and for all the people who belong to this beautiful expression of your bride I break any lie that says their hour has been cancelled and declare instead that a wonderful hour has come upon them let them rise let new life come forth and let purpose manifest through servanthood all over this people in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you Oasis. I love you. So honored to be with you and I pray that this word today has built up your faith and that you can go into this week living as the new creation that Jesus Christ has made you. Love you so much. Bye-bye.